Attitude Friday listeners, what is going on? How are we doing today? Good, dude. How are you doing, Kenny? Good, man. How are you? It's been a long time. It has. I haven't, we haven't recorded since... We had a good surplus. H-A-I. Yep. Sorry, Fleet listeners. We've just been pushing all of those out. Yeah. But um, before we even get started, I'm very excited to have the one and only Jake Dorsey, the number one biggest naysayer anti-fan anti-fan of the flight suit friday podcast jake welcome to the podcast hey thanks guys what are you drinking it's dude a, just a silver bowl over here all right i yeah, got you know. what do i got two hearted ipa from bells i've got the uh, area 251 hazy ipa from how, Big beach brewing how big is that can <laughs> i don't i think it's a 32 <laughs> okay <laughs> it's quite wide i think it's bigger than a 24 definitely supposed to be poured into a glass but Good. Jake, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, cheers. You know, I just want to say one thing. First off, uh, I think this podcast is garbage. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a shameless OER bullet. Oh. Always has been. I've never listened to it, so also that's just my good. assumption. <laughs> also good. And uh, is that how you feel? Is like we are doing this solely to drink beers? Well, and for the OER bullet, which yeah. I already said. I would yeah, say because I'm definitely an OER bullet hound. Like that's yeah. I wake up in the morning. You know, and I'm like, how Ingram, could I get a big OER? Bullet? You know, the only thing he cares about is OERs. Big Absolutely. time and promotion. Promotion OERs. Drinking, yep. drinking a good, good crisp two hearted ale. That's what. No, I it's want. all about the OER. It's not about yeah, the beer. That's it's true. Just the OER. I do want to ask you one question. You're finishing up twelve straight years of flying, and or somewhere like that, and you're headed to headquarters. How are you feeling right now? Uh, you know, kind of miss the flying. Okay. But also, uh, if I ever have to, like, you know, be a fifth tier 04 <laughs> with a uh, OS boss who I despise, who's also, you know, five years junior to me, dude, I think I'm going to lose so my mind. Gr- why are you so grumpy, dude? <laughs> it's just my. You should be happy, dude. The The mountains are blue. Yep. And you're on the podcast, man. Tuesday? You need to embrace it, dude. If you it's can't beat the podcast, make me most grumpy. Dude, Sorry, if you can't beat him, join him. I'm just hoping my and friend here, calls me and soon. Here so you are. Out of here. And here you are. Yeah, so. that's true. <laughs> uh, do you have any other questions for Jake no, D over here? Not if he's going to be like this. Like grumpy pants, McGee. I am just a grumpy pants. Yeah. We'd be glad to work for Jake as an ops boss someday. I'll keep, if you can I'll understand him, he might be decent. That is true. Mumbles <laughs> McGee is definitely <laughs> difficult to understand. <laughs> I mean, I think the podcast is not very good, but I never tried it. So, so you're <laughs> you're okay with going to headquarters? Uh, yeah. Okay. Where do you want to be an ops boss of? You're punching your ticket. Um, detailer's definitely you know, listening. Future detailer. You know, counter chickens before they hatch because I got still screwed up royally in the headquarters. But, uh, you know, West Coast. West Coast? Small air station. Be great. All right. Humble yeah. Humble or PA. There you go. San Fran? Okay. Yeah, San Fran be fine, but it's gonna go back to the north to be my, uh, okay. yeah. preference. Would north Bend over San Fran? Ooh. Yeah. Tough choice. Yeah. What a fun spot. He is literally <laughs> sucking all the I got fun energy out of this room. I got right nothing. I'm just gonna start pushing the buttons on the soundboard over here. <laughs> this is great. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to give a highlight. So you got you got a highlight to give for the fleet, right? I think so. Yeah. All right, Jake. Thanks for joining us, man. Uh, yeah. yeah any part? Any parting shots? Uh, <laughs> nope. We'll like call I you. Said, <laughs> all I need to say about this garbage endeavor. We'll call you again <laughs> later. <laughs> oh man. 
All right, so a couple shout outs. Uh, I'm not going to have the full details on this one, but uh, our buddy Nate Shakespeare reached out to us uh, a couple weeks ago. They were down in Magoo. They're standing duty. They did a night trainer. Uh, they get a call once they're on deck for a medevac, something like 100 miles offshore. Mm-hmm. Um, as they're sitting there doing a little flight planning, talking to the flight surgeon, field goes low IFR. So they take off. I think they went out to St. Nick Island, did an ILS to men's there to get a little splash of gas, continued further offshore, uh, low IFR conditions the whole way. So they end up doing a catch down to this cruise ship. I think they break or break out around 300 feet. Um, on scene, the winds were like 40, 45 knots. So what Dang. you would think would be like an easy cruise ship yeah. hoist. Wind. Um, they said that they're, they were so far forward because everything was sailing way back that they couldn't see the device and didn't have a whole lot of references. Um, so the crew did a good job getting the, um, I think it was a basket. I don't think they did a litter, but a basket on deck, recovered the swimmer, mm-hmm. and then did an ILS back to Mids in uh, Orange County, St. John Airport, I think. So, wow. I don't have the crew members, but uh, we'll definitely put it in the notes. And uh, it's a good enough case. It sounds like it might be worth having them on to kind of talk through the CRM or MPC. Yeah, congrats to those guys. That's awesome. Um, would you do a tailwind hoist in that much wind? No. <clears throat> What's your wind threshold for that? Because then the device will sail forward. And then you'd have your visuals. Yeah. 15 knots, I think, would be. 15. Yeah, I've done 25, and it's not comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) It really isn't comfortable. I think that the worst part is trying to just get into it. Um, And our grumpy pants, McGee, I was flying around with Jake Dorsey, and uh, he was telling me what not to do, and then I tried to do what not to do, and it didn't work. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, that that, uh, um, tail pedal turn, that's the word I'm looking for doesn't work so well. Yeah. I mean, you could look at um, trying to get the boat to go um, opposite direction of that. So you could be backing down with the boat to reduce the amount of wind that's coming over the nose. So if you got 40 and the boat's doing 15, technically you're flying backwards form with the boat, but still have, you'll yeah. still, you'd still be through ETL, but it wouldn't sail as much. Um, and then I remember being in San Francisco you know, anytime you have those nights, you're like, oh, wind's above 25 knots. You're looking to bring some extra devices to yeah, heavy weather bag, heavy weather bag and stuff. And I think they, they might have had that um, on that case. That email. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty intense. If you can't <clears throat> get the device down or the trail line down with a yeah. heavy weather, two, two or uh, three, however many uh, weight bags. They yeah, and I think the where their hoisting um, area was, they had to do a fairly high hoist. And so um, they had put one trail line down. And then realized that they are kind of running out of room or they had said it would have been nice to have two trail lines connected together even to help help them out. Yeah. Kudos to them. Any case where you have to shoot two different approaches to men's as well as do hoisting in that kind of environment is yeah. not easy. And I would assume that I would hope that they felt confident in their abilities to do those things because of the training that they get to do out yeah. there. And so we talk cool. about it all the time, right? The uh, crew that goes out and it's not the standard hoist to a 45-footer, and uh-huh. you have to um, do something outside the norm, which, you know, as we know as aviators, like, man, you you break that habit pattern is when, you know, the risk certainly goes up when you do something like that. Oh, yeah. Um, but sometimes you got to get, get the mission done yeah, and mm-hmm. know what your limits are. That's important. Uh, I got one other uh, great shout-out from, uh, let's see, I think this was Air Station Miami. Um 
Jules Miller, first uh, live hoist. So she went out with, oh, nice. uh, I think the PIC was James Fennessy, Flight Mech was uh, Michael, and excuse me if I pronounce this wrong, Negretti or Negrete, uh, and uh, RS uh, was J.R. Ramos Yap. Um, so they launched <clears throat> six nautical miles south of Key West for multiple PIWs, got on scene, vectored in the Coast Guard small boat to pick them up, which is a great call. And then one of the survivors needed to be medevaced for uh, hypothermia and heart attack symptoms. So Jules got on the sticks, hoisted, uh, got her first live hoist and nice. crushed it. So congrats what, to that. Did it say what the small boat was? Uh, it's it, 45, right? That's all they got yeah, out there. Let's see here. No, a 29 foot small oh, boat. 29 foot. That's a tiny boat. I wonder to if hoist they did a trail line or a direct. I don't know. They said, uh, they think it was six foot seas. Yeah. Caleb Teachout was the one who sent this shout out to us. So okay. uh, thanks for sending that to us, Caleb. And uh, congrats to uh, the crew and Jules. Nice job on your first live hoist. Yeah. I don't know what uh, kind of sea state they're used to hoisting with, but 29 foot and six foot seas is you know, not a walk in the park. No, it's not a walk in the park. <laughs> Big news, you and I are leaving. Yeah. This is uh, a final recording. Final recording. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You think you're going to continue to do it? We'll see. Yeah. Um, I am already looking like a homeless man with a uh, full beard and am preparing my camper van for shipment overseas. So maybe I'll call in on Skype or Zoom or whatever the heck we use yeah. at that point. But- Dude, it's it's gone to bigger and better hands. Yeah, who's our who's our next hosts? Yeah, so Nick and Rob are taking over, and I think even Max Cherno, he's a yep. a Savannah boy coming down. Yeah, um, he hung out with us at HAI for a little bit, and is interested. I think yeah, it'd be a good addition. Looking forward to that. Uh, and yeah. then to anybody who actually does listen to this, um, always love your feedback. Please send us shout outs for the fleet. Send us uh, things you think would be interesting topics to talk about. Um, we're always searching for something new, uh, but really we just want to keep highlighting all the awesome stuff that Kenny and I unfortunately don't get to do anymore and that uh, all of you are just crushing it out there. Yeah. So, all right, well, now we'll get started. I thought you were going to go a different route, <laughs> honestly. I thought you were going to be like, hey, news for the fleet, being a CASA pilot is easy. Oh, well, <laughs> let's talk about that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the flight school episode got released um, you know, last Friday. And of course, Nate Sulere, our fixed wing supporter, he was the idiot that punched the hole in the wall and he let us know that. Um, and so that sparked us to the challenge that has been brewing for months. Months, now. dude. What an easy challenge, by the way. You just landed a 144 with your sphincter muscle. Yeah. Yeah, I we lined up on final, turned yep. around, grabbed the yoke with my butt cheeks, and I put it down. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, you were handling the power, but that was just real quick, though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was that was easy. I mean, you lined her up with no instruction. We Zero jumped instruction. in the seat, no idea where any of the buttons were, dude. We got flaps landing. Yep, we got the gear down. Yep, we were told uh, what our maneuver speed was and approach speed, and that was it. Yeah, easy, easy piece of cake. Uh, do yeah. we think that, um, fixed wing transitions are a bit too long in the tooth, uh, or the, uh, designation <laughs> course? I mean, I think if we did it in nine minutes, I think you could honestly make a rotor wing pilot into a fixed wing pilot in three hours. Yeah. These are where all the controls are. Look, we'll teach you the checklist on the fly. All you got to do is pull or push at this specific time with the power setting. Yeah. Boom, done. And if you get nervous, you just 
stand up, turn around, and use your butt cheeks. <laughs> Dude, I mean, it wasn't that long. We were in there for 30 minutes, and you were yeah. landing on an aircraft carrier Yeah, in a Casa. I did a V1 cut um, with yeah. an engine fire. Yep. No problem. With, I don't with know Max what Crossman. V1 means, but yeah. What does V1 mean? Uh, that's their- Are little, you bringing out real terms? Yeah, so that's their number that they calculate based off the environmentals and weight and everything. It says, hey, if I get an engine failure past this airspeed, we're going flying no matter what. If it happens mm -hmm. before that, then it's an aborted takeoff. Yeah, wow, I probably should So I got it that. just past, I think, just rotation speed. Okay. I could be totally butchering now, all these terms. That sounds right. I mean, like I, I stand by my three-hour uh, rotary wing <laughs> to fixed wing transition <laughs> course. And then we did. We came back around. Uh, I did under or overshoot, depending on which runway. And then I did a single engine go around. Yep. No problem. Into a confirmed fire on your good engine, crash yep. into the trees. Uh, I wouldn't call it a crash. It was, it was a controlled a landing. Controlled landing to offsite yeah. landing. Yeah. Appreciate Nate trying to give us a tough sit scenario, but <laughs> at the end of the day, buddy, that was pretty easy. That's Bush League. Yeah, dude. that was pretty easy. I mean, Wite <laughs> even was able to do a barrel roll and a loop. We did do those things. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Um, so we have no agenda and we're just here to BS for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. What... Uh, what was your favorite part about doing this? You know, thinking back, uh, I remember when Shakes was getting ready to leave and he was going to turn the reins over to someone. And I had done one episode with you guys. It was mm -hmm. MOI or something. Yeah, you and Max. Kind of talk stories. Great, yeah. It was great. And uh, I, was, I was legitimately nervous for it. I don't know why. I, re I remember you in your first episode. I don't feel like dude. I get nervous very often. Yeah. For some reason, I was, I was really nervous. And... It turns out it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, uh, it's something that I'm passionate about. I love, love the Coast Guard, uh, Coast Guard aviation specifically. And um, yeah, looking back, I, I'm so glad I did it. And even, even today, <laughs> man, 10 minutes before we do it, I'm like, I'm stressed. I'm like, I don't want to do this. This is stupid. And sure enough, like right now is when, you know, you've got half a beer in you and it all fades away. Yeah. It's just you and I talking about, um, dude, that's your MO man. Hey, are we doing this? Are we, are we recording? Yeah. Kenny, we're, we're like, recording yeah, in six minutes ago. <laughs> minutes ago. We already, already delayed our guest 15 minutes. Cause you just in there doing something that you don't want to do. Like oh. get up here. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm so happy that you joined in and I, I had the same feeling. Uh, when Ryan asked me initially to do this podcast, I, I basically told him to F off. I'm like, Nah, dude, like that seems way too much uncomfortable situation for me. Yeah. Uh, and then it just started to snowball. I decided to do it. And then, um, I mean, I've got, a, I definitely have some favorite conversations that we've had, man. We have some great conversations and I think uh, you would agree with me on this one, but highlighting what people are doing out in the fleet and then learning from what they're doing, some incredible takeaways, things I've never thought about before. Um, you know, I was just listening to an editing, an episode that'll come out soon, uh, or I guess will be after this one gets released. But um, we were talking with the Orange County Fire guys and I went, we talked about weathermans in there, Yeah. right? And Orange County doesn't have any set weather minimums. It's pilot dependent. Like, what do you feel? 
And I came in pretty hot and heavy, like, <laughs> wait a minute, you guys don't do that? Like, I don't agree with that. Like, you need to have something to be a flag to go talk to somebody. And listening to, back to it again today, like, got me thinking about it some more and be like, you know, that's not a terrible idea if that's what works for that organization and you have a good culture to back it up. So, like, even though I was against an idea that I hadn't heard before in initially, like listening to again or just hearing it in a different medium, like a podcast is, it was really helpful to think about and yeah, just change my way of thinking. I remember so. you were, you were pretty dead set against, I was against dead that. Set against I think one it. thing Murph, I don't think he said it in the, in the podcast, but like, he's like, yeah, we don't hire, you know, 800 hour guys. We're hiring three, 4,000 hour he did, guys. He did say it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that the crew concept that they have, the, was it three, three to go, three to go, one to say no, one to say no, yep. you know, and you know, it, it's working for them and yeah, you know, everyone's got different comfort levels and when you get backed up at, you know, whether it's a command or an organization, um, you know, if you don't have pressure to go, if the pilot doesn't feel comfortable, I think is where yeah. people probably get into trouble. So yeah. What would you, do you have like a favorite, uh, Oh, I got a couple. Um, <clears throat> our conversation with Bruce Jones, um, oh. 10 Seconds to Live, he he was a captivating man. Like yep. his stories, and I would say that for anybody out there too, like um, he, for me, brought home the value of recurrent training um, because he had a situation that he almost died in. And the reason why he flew it out, he attributed to flying the simulator every year in Mobile and how we did single engine flyouts in the simulator, which don't get me wrong. Like I'm, I'm with everybody else. Sometimes you come down to Mobile for a P course, right? And you're like, oh, here, here we go again. I'm going to get quizzed on all these things. We're going to do these EPs again. Um, and it can get monotonous unless you come into it with a good attitude. Like, Hey, this is what I want to see. Like challenge me or, um, go do something that you never get a chance to do, you know, fly an instrument approach with a whole bunch of failures. But for him specifically, like going through that repetition and it's something that we do routinely where you're thinking like, oh, this is just the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> that one in a thousand chance that it happens to you. I mean, more, way more than way that. Way more right? than that. Yeah. But like <laughs> that, how many flight hours are that flying. he, you know, yeah. he attributed that to saving his life or putting that helicopter in the drink. So that one was, that one was a really good one for me. Um, I've got a lot of other favorites too. I loved the patio beers ones, especially the first one where we cold <laughs> called people. Yeah, uh, that was pretty fun. Yeah, cold calling a couple of our buddies at headquarters and some of the responses was just yeah. A perfect, I think uh, one of them way. for me was the a recent one was Doobie. Oh, the Doobie I think episode. That one, yeah. yeah, he he just tells such a great story and. Um, yeah, dude, we, we laughed. I mean, our allergies were kicking in a little bit towards the end there, you know, yeah, there was something a little, was a little irritant in my eye yeah. or something. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, that, I loved hearing that story. Yeah. Finally, we got the actual facts behind the story. Yeah. Although I would, uh, <clears throat> make sure that no flight student listens to that before they hear whatever tall tale, uh, <laughs> some instructor or other flight student yeah. is going to tell them. Yeah. If I ever go back and listen to that episode, I'm going to make sure to have the little, little bottle of jack daniels yes in preparation you for have that. to and everyone should as well you have to that's a that's a rule regulation for sure yeah so uh 
listeners can't see Sam's dumb face right now, <laughs> but it's covered in this disgusting beard and mustache, and it doesn't even look like Sam. Oh, dude. Haven't shaved or cut my hair since the end of April, and when this gets released, it'll probably be mid-July, so okay. I'll even look more hobo-ish until my wife's like, all right, you got to trim that. Yeah, but she likes it, apparently. Apparently. Okay. Um, it's wonderful. Y- you and I have talked about this a lot, but- what are, you, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, so it is, it's official. I'm currently on terminal leave. Uh, and come July 2nd, I will be reserve aviator number, I don't know, maybe 10 in the yeah. Coast Guard. Uh, but I just got orders back here to Mobile. So uh, planning on doing some drilling in July and August just to meet my semi-annual men's requirements. And uh, Katie and I have built a camper van out, and we are uh, – like what I like to call taking a year of retirement before retirement age. So a lot of people temp up to do tons of different reasons, right? Grad school, raise a family, try a new job. Um, and then for us, it's always been, you know, I need to press the pause button. I want to go do something different as in travel. So she and I are going to ship it over to Europe and spend eight or nine months hopefully uh, harmoniously living together <laughs> in the camper van. And, and 18 square feet. And 18 square uh, feet. Is this something that has been on your mind for a long time, like five, 10 years, or is this kind of just a new thing? You're like, oh man, I could get out and we could go travel. Yeah, this is probably going on seven or eight years. I would say if you knew me in the last you know, seven to eight years, you probably heard me say that I want to do this. And um, I kept saying it to talk it into existence. I think there's like value in doing that. So like if I tell enough people, I can no longer back out because people are now expecting me to do this thing. Yeah. Right. So yeah, we've been talking about this for a long time. Um, it's like one of my regrets going into the military straight out of high school. Cause you did the same thing going to Cal Maritime, right? Like I never had an opportunity to see something different than what I know. Not that I don't like what I know. Like I've really enjoyed doing what I'm doing. Um, the Coast Guard's been a great organization to work for. And that's also had some shitty moments and some heartaches and, you know, whatever, like every job has. But um, having the, the ability to take a break now is great. But I wish I also had an ability to take a gap year before I decided to do all this. So this is kind of my late thirties gap year. If you want, I feel like that's such like a millennial thing to say like, Oh yeah, let me go travel the world before I start my, my real, who knows, dude, somebody's probably going to, I don't know, pop my tire and steal all my stuff. Yeah. But one month into the trip and then I'm going to be coming home. Like, but it's also not like you're sitting, um, at a desk crunching, you know, tax numbers or something like that. You've done some really cool stuff Mm -hmm. in the coast guard as it is. Um, different, yeah. different countries and shipboard deployments and, you know, all that cool stuff. stuff. So I think that's cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going to project my fears onto you a little bit here, but. Okay. Dude, what, do you have a plan? <laughs> like, you're like, cool, we're going to Europe. Like how, how uh, do you get the van over there? Do you need a passport? Is it uh, all yeah, that stuff? All that stuff. It's relatively easy. Uh, like passport. Yes. You don't need a visa to travel in Europe for 90 out of 180 days. In general, there's something called the Schengen region, but it's the EU. Um, And so you just bounce between countries. And then when you have reached your limit, you go to ones that also don't require a visa for the same stuff, but they're not part of the EU, like the UK, or you go down to the Balkans, like Romania, um, Albania, Montenegro, those those countries down there. Okay. Um, So the travel is pretty easy. And then shipping your van... 
cost, I don't know, a couple grand. Okay. And it's fairly easy. It takes two, two, three weeks to get over. We'll probably space A or just buy a ticket over there, pick up the van, and then we're going to start in Scandinavia. And then I have no idea after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how does Katie feel about that plan? <laughs> I I think she's pretty excited. Okay. She is better at the planning portion for sure. Um, but I guess that's what I'm saying. Since there is no plan, is she okay with that? Or are you guys diligently trying to plan to be like, hey, you know, we're going to go stay at this place or this place? Or is it kind of, this oh. is your time to just go with the wind most mostly the latter right Dang. now we're just planning on like how do we move our household goods and rent our house dude i feel my blood kind of pressure stuff. going up hearing <laughs> you guys talk about this it's not I, for everybody it's i've for sure. never been a planner until recently and when it comes to vacations i have to have a plan no plan i want to know where we're going to hike how long the hike is where we're going to eat after that hike um i'm able to deviate so it can you could wake up everyone could wake up and say Kenny, what's the plan today? Oh, good question. Hey, we're gonna go do Eagle, we're gonna go do Eagle Lake. We are having bagels and locks for breakfast, and then we're leaving <laughs> by nine thirty. We'll be there by ten. But if someone is like, "Hey, I'm tired. I want to just go sit by the lake." Okay, everyone in agreement. Yep. Okay. Cool. What I I just hate the like. What do you want to do today? Yeah, um, I feel I do feel that. Um, but to be honest, from being in the military for so long, where you know what you're doing or you know what you're supposed to be doing, um, future plans, like we, we're always planning. Yeah. Even even though we're a reactive service, like we still are always planning. I kind of want the opposite. Uh, I will say if anybody wants to go skiing in the Alps with me uh, between February and April, I will be somewhere in whatever yeah. countries the Alps cross. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, that's really the, the overall general plan. That is That is so... So awesome. Let me swing uh, let me swing it back into your court, dude. So you I thought I had one more question. Okay, here. you got one more question. I had one more question. Okay. Um what were we talking about? We're talking about uh planning and then just the like okay, we're gonna go do this thing. It's it's open ended. I feel like I would have a fear that I would go do this thing and after four months I'd be like, This is not as fun as I thought it would be or as freeing as I thought it would be. Um, and that would be, like I said, that would be a fear and something that would probably hold me back from doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand that. And I think, I think that's one of those important things that I want to have happen to me. You know, maybe I'll get four months in yeah. and be like, you know what, this isn't it. And the, and I want to go do something different, but you and I have not had the opportunity to do that yeah. in our normal adult career life, right? Neither has anybody who's active duty right now. Right. Yeah. Um, unless you somehow do a temp sep or some sort of sabbatical. So that actually excites me. Like yeah. I could get over there and it could suck. Yeah. You know, or you know, something bad happens or, you know, there all that all that can happen. And yeah. But if you don't step outside your comfort zone, um, you're not going to be able to learn. I mean, we talk about that all the time oh, yeah. in aviation too, right? I think it applies to life. So, um, but yeah. I, will, I will say like, if anybody is interested in not necessarily what I'm doing, but taking a pause, doing the reserve aviator program, like I'm still learning all the ins and outs on it. And I know there's a, a whole cadre of reserve pilots that uh, started last year. So um, I'm in the second wave of reserve pilots, but if anybody's interested in what the heck that means in my limited knowledge, please reach out to me because 
it's not a bad uh, way to go if you are interested in doing something else. Yeah. I know you're not a big yeah. social media guy, but <laughs> I think I would enjoy some sort of like, hey, we're in the Alps. Okay. Maybe not like a daily update, but yeah. I think it would be cool to see uh, what you and Katie are up to as you're in your yeah we will we will post some stuff in our in our travels that's cool yeah i don't know what it will be called yet but i'll call into the podcast i'll tell everybody what it is for the 10 listeners who listen yeah we call in all right i gotta turn the tables back on you kenny all right um so you are finishing up your last week in your last uh aviation tour yeah. Not that you're not going to an aviation related tour, but at an air station or the aviation training center. How does that uh, make you feel? Yeah, it's uh, it's coming coming to an end real quick. Yeah, um, four years went by fast. I think I think I'm ready to to move on. Okay, um, maybe not the job that I would have preferred because uh, where, where are you headed? Yep, so heading to Pack Area. Okay. Uh, Aviation Forces taking over for Commander Ryan Ramos, good buddy of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where I'll be heading. Um, yeah. So unfortunately, the the med down monster got me. So yeah, dude, dude, yeah, don't you can tear up, man. It's okay. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Yeah. So last fall. Um, without getting into too much detail of, of medical stuff, I, I went in and got a brain MRI and the doctor was like, dude, you're totally fine. Um, uh, just, we're just going to do this out of an extreme abundance of caution. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. Set it up. So I go and about three hours later, um, maybe not, maybe it was the morning after I got a call from the nurse and they're like, Hey, um, yeah, so why don't you come back and do that again? We're going to add some dye into it. I was like, oh, okay, okay. cool. Maybe there was, is there everything okay? They're like, yeah, we found like there's a little thing there. We just want to check it out. You're like, okay. I'm thinking there's like a little, little smudge on the lens or something, you know? And they're like, oh yeah, we already made the next available appointment. It's tomorrow. I was like, oh, okay. Um, didn't get, you know, too concerned yet. Do it again. And they're like, oh yeah, you, you definitely have, uh, some sort of growth in there. I was like, oh, uh, okay, what does that mean, you know? And they're like, um, well, um, not totally sure, but based off of size and density, um, some sort of brain tumor that's most likely benign. I was like, oh, that, you know, using the word brain tumor is different than like a little speck or something. Yeah. So um, makes your heart drop out, dude. Yeah, it, it did. Yeah. Um, and it, it was weird how, I, I don't know if I just had this naive uh, approach to it, but even after they called me back in the second time, I'm like, nah, it's, no, it's nothing. It's nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you hear like, oh yeah, it's a, it's a brain tumor. We're just not sure what, what type it is. Um, that's when it kind of got my attention, you know, call Alex. I'm like, Hey, got something uh, going on. <laughs> we need to talk, you know? And so, um, Long story short, kind of working through the medical process. Um, yeah, I won't, I won't be flying again. So yeah, which uh, doesn't. I mean, it breaks my heart. Not as much as it probably breaks your heart, but um, it's hard to see somebody that is not only uh, one of the best pilots that I've ever flown with, but one of the best instructors and uh, well known throughout. Anybody who's ever crossed paths with you, like everybody knows who Kenny Ingram is and everybody loves flying with you and 
you make every flight so fun. And um, I just, I kind of, I asked this question because I think this, hap- this happens to not just you, it happens to a couple Coast Guard pilots and like, how do you deal with it, right? Like, yeah, you know, you weren't ready to hang it up, right? You were going to go to San Francisco and, um, and things changed, but also your ability to, uh, be like, okay, like this is what's happening and, and we're going to move on as a family and, and I'm going to be okay with it was pretty heroic, dude. And pretty amazing to watch too. So I don't, I don't know how the hell you did that, man, for something like we all identify with, right? Every helicopter pilot, every fixed wing pilot, every pilot out there is like, that's part of your identity. Like you, you worked hard to get there and then to have that taken away from you, not on your own terms, is not something easy to deal with. So yeah. Yes and no. Right. Like, am I devastated? Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I I am. But flying, flying does not define who I am. No, it doesn't. So you'd be, um, you're going to move on. You're going to find something new. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I am. Yeah, the, the allergy, my allergies are <laughs> kicking in right now. Oh, Chuck, yeah, dude, dude. You got to clean this room, man. Oh, um, man. I turned the pollen yeah. machine on, <laughs> <Yeah>. dude. <laughs> Mine does, does not def- define who I am, right? I'm I'm so much more than that. And um, I am very grounded in my faith and, and things happen for a reason and there's someone in control. So yeah, um, Alex, so supportive. She's like, whatever, you yeah. got it. And you're okay, right? You're not. Yeah, so I, I. Um, the last time I went to the doctor was, uh, the official diagnosis was a meningioma, which I think is a, a benign brain tumor. Mm-hmm. And so where I'm at now is kind of six month checkups to see, to make sure that it's not rapidly, um, growing. Just getting but, an MRI every six months. M- MRI every six months. But yeah. the way the, um, aviation, you know, medical team views it is, Hey, um, at any sort of growth or abnormality in the brain is automatically disqualifying without a, a waiver recommendation. And that kind of comes from the Navy medical manual. So I, I didn't even apply for a, um, I keep telling you too, man, yeah. maybe there's some like I, army I think, clause yeah. or something that you'd be like, yeah. Hey, like they'll let you do maybe it. Maybe I can. And I, th- I think part of the issue was the timing of everything. So like this happened right, like late, Late in the transfer season. Like I was about to get a phone call and I was like, crap, even if I did do that, it was going to be a year probably before I could get any sort of definitive answer. So I didn't want to go to an air stay and be med down for a year, taking up a, taking up a butt in a seat, you know? And so I was like, well, damn, I had to call Dan Clunan and be like, Hey man, I got to have that grotesque discussion. The the one thing I said I would never, ever do. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to talk about where we can go. Hey man, you got to stack. <laughs> so I got me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, you know, w- with that being said, as I just wanted to get close to my family in California, which, uh, luckily they were able to help me out. So I'm very thankful yeah. um, for that. And who knows, maybe once the dust settles, yeah, maybe I put in a waiver recommendation and maybe they're okay with that. I, I hope it's approved and I mean, I can slide over to Airstay San Fran. I, mean, I, I hope you do because make them say no. Don't expect them to say no. Make them say no. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah. We'll but see. At least uh, out of our first patio beers episode, when we called Ryan Ramos, when he was in the job you're going to, <laughs> he actually was the one who seemed most happy. I just got to get um, me a set of blue blockers. Get blue blockers and make sure, you know, he's going to turn the brightness all the way up to max on his computer for point. you, dude. That's a good You got to watch out for that. He will do that. Uh, I was actually wearing blue blockers last night, dude. I had to sign a whole <laughs> bunch of DPRs and it was late night and uh, someone let me borrow some blue blockers. So I'm all set for my staff door. Dude, you got to keep those blue blockers. Don't give keep it up 100%. Don't get block it out. <laughs> uh, do you have, um, do you have a couple favorites uh, from your aviation career? Like couple two top two, three. Yeah. I think that the, maybe the big picture thing is, I just love Coast Guard aviation. Uh-huh. Um, we've been talking about it a lot. I feel like the in some recent episodes of um, the culture that we have. And I feel like maybe we're losing it a little bit right now. Yeah. Um, with shortages and, you know, some of the things that we're getting asked to do, I feel like we're, we're missing out on the fun piece of things. And I honestly put that on the backs of O4s at units. O4s yeah. at units need to be kind of the fun police. And and um, I, I'm not saying you blow off work. You know, we're in the Coast Guard. The taxpayers expect a certain amount of um, work out of us. They expect to be zero. They expect someone to be able to come pull their brother or sister out of the, the rip current. Yeah. But at the same time, man, if there's nothing going on, like I think we need to be smart about... Um, making work an enjoyable place to show up. We have to want to show up to work. And um, that comes with people and the environment that, yeah, um, and, and the tone that we set. And like I said, I think it's the O4s to be like, hey, XO, <laughs> I'm, I'm taking the boys and girls. We're, we're going to go drink a couple beers in the wardroom. We're going to talk some stories. Um, so not only are we getting better because we're going to share stories and learn from each other, whether it was a, a, you know, something good that we did or something bad that we did, but we're also just going to have a good time and put a smile on our face. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, if I had to say one thing, I think that's what the Coast Guard needs to do. And yeah, um, yeah, I put that kind of article out in the the town there. I, was just I think that's kind of, that. yeah, that's kind of my vibe of, man, we got to make, we got to make this fun. Yeah. And, and challenge the norm. I, I really enjoyed reading that. And so, uh, you know, this was kind of a quasi replacement to the talent until, you know, some of the old farts wanted to bust to put the talent <laughs> back out. No, no offense, but definitely offense taken. Uh, but really, you know, like we love putting your articles out there, that talent article that just came out, yours, all, all the articles was, were fantastic in yeah. there. I really enjoyed reading yours, um, specifically of the points that you just made. And, um, which is interesting because talking to the 144 pilots here in the operations department at Mobile, they just went to a B2 48-hour watch because they are down so much. They're at 50% PAL. They just don't have the people to be able to stand a B0, so they had to reinvent the wheel. And even if what they do doesn't work, the fact that they were willing to change uh, I thought was just awesome. And, yeah. and that's kind of, I felt like that kind of exactly. uh, encapsulates what your article is Ex- talking about. Yeah, exactly. Maybe yeah. two weeks from now, they're like, Hey, this isn't working. Or maybe, <laughs> or maybe district or sectors was like, Hey, yeah, we can't we, do this. We got to, can we go back to the drawing board on this? Yeah. Um, and I feel like we should, um, not have that visceral response. It's like, oh, we can't do that. We can't do that. 
we, we've always done it this way. We can't do that. No, I, may, maybe we can. I don't, I don't know. Can we, can we try it? Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're a person who says we can't do that, maybe just, Hey, I'm going to count to three when somebody says something and that initially <laughs> comes into my head. You know, I would love to see like not giving up B zeros. I'd rather yes. give up you know, oh, some of the other yeah, stuff. Totally but, yeah, totally agree. <laughs> but just in the, in the vein, like how, you know, how do you tackle those kind of problems? Yeah. I um, thought the other article that was um, really good in our recent one was, um, up in Alpat. Yeah. Carl and looks always. Yeah. Our, our that was a really yeah. good one. And, um, I remember talking to their ops commander, Ryan Hahn up there and it sounded like those guys kind of employed something that he's been trying to grain in his pilots of, um, it's not just a yes or no for the whole mission. Like you can kind of break it up into segments and that's kind of what he talked about. Right. Of yeah. Cool. Okay. Is it safe to take off right now? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Okay. Okay, cool. Let's, let's try that. And maybe you take off. And you get a glance of that weather on that first leg and you're like, yeah, hell no. Yeah. Coming back. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of understanding that. And that's that's really what we're paid to do is understanding the risk management piece of that, right? Of, well, if I take off, um, can I land back on this cutter? If the answer is no, like, okay, that's a one-way decision gate. We need to we need to take this seriously and make sure that we can actually do this and get to at least an intermediate stop Yeah. Um, before we complete the whole mission. But, yeah, and he had an experience that was just so counter to our CRM and overall risk management aviation where they weren't going to launch because it was just not worth the risk. And the ops boss said, the Admiral has accepted the risk for you. Yeah. You guys should launch. Yeah, I'm glad that um, you know the aviation community is very comfortable with those discussions. I don't feel like the rest of the Coast Guard is, is quite there yet. So I'm glad yeah. that um, we feel comfortable putting that article out there for people to read and learn and understand what happens when we truly test 3710. Yeah. Um, and, and you're really pushing risk for a high gain. Right. For a high gain mission. For a high gain yep. mission. Yeah, that's interesting you put that up too because uh, one of my other favorite episodes, I have a lot of favorites, but the Alpad episode with uh, <clears throat> Neil Romans yeah. and Jordan Long and they had Pretty five, s- I think five incredible SAR cases uh, on their one Alpad deployment and there was a few of them where they were taken off in the middle of a snowstorm with like howling gales. Yeah. And, and I remember, I don't know if it was Neil or Jordan. I was probably Neil cause he was the uh, PIC, but he's like, Hey, we're going to take this one step at a time. Yeah. First step is traversing the aircraft. Can we do that safely? Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. can do that safely. Let's get the yeah. aircraft out there. All right. Can we take off? Yes, we can take off. Yeah. Right. And having those decision gates, I think that's really um, something that everyone needs to think about because you want to get the mission done. Right. Yeah. But you can chunk it. And then if you can't get it done safely, then it's okay to say no. Yeah. 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 That's really interesting. Yeah. Well, um, I'm trying to think of some other good um, aviation stories that I haven't already told on this podcast. But um, yeah, I just, I think one of the things, like going back a little bit, I think one of the things that was tough for me was not knowing what my last flight was. I think it would have helped if it was on my terms or even... If Doc was like, "Hey, buddy, um, yeah, man, you're not gonna be able to fly. Like, I'm gonna when your when your physical expires, like that's it. You're like, okay, okay, I got it. I can mentally prepare myself. Whereas this, uh, I've had like four last flights of the year <laughs> already, and you got another one this week or two of them yeah. this week. Yeah. So you know, it would have been nice to have mentally prepared myself and and uh, 
to be honest, I haven't even closed out my logbook from what not this semi-annual, but the previous one because I'm not ready yeah. to, to close that. I don't literally close that chapter yeah. uh, of my book yet. Well, and, I did give you flight time in March, so make sure yeah. you go yeah. through that part of your logbook. Yeah, I don't think you could do that, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. I'll still write solo time. On I still got to, I don't even know what my last flight was. I got to go look it up. Yeah. Like my last official. Last official one. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's tough. Yeah. Um, what you but gonna- yeah, just like some awesome deployments, um, you know, being down in Gitmo of, you know, of all places, but you know, just some stories of, you know, you're 25 years old, you're with an AC who's 26 and you're in the middle of nowhere operating a $9 million helicopter. <laughs> it's just awesome. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, you get to go look for lobsters and spearfish and get chased off by sharks. Mm-hmm. Rough. And, uh, well, GI, Great Nagua. Yeah. yeah, rough time there. Um, yeah, that was cool. I remember getting, I think I told it, but a first pilot, single pilot flight from Great Nagua to some other Turks and Caicos maybe. Yeah. For some reason that specific moment really stands out, uh, for me. God, that's um, awesome. But yeah. It's been, it's been great. Yeah. I mean, I can't, uh, <clears throat> I also cannot deny that I'm going to miss what I get to do a lot. I'm going to do a little bit as a reservist, which will be great, yeah. but it's not going to be the same. Um, and I want more SAR air stations too under my belt. You yeah. Know, like coming here, second tour as a, a instructor pilot, was really good for my family life because my wife's a Navy pilot and she was headed to flight school. Uh, you know, this is one of the only places that she and I can get coloed with the airframe that I'm flying. Um, but don't get me wrong. You I could have gone to Hitron. I could have gone. No, she can't. No. She couldn't have gone over there. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's all Romeo. She's a Sierra, 60 Sierra pilot. Okay. So, but yeah, like, don't get me wrong. I would have loved to go, go to Hitron or something different. You know, I would have gone up to Atlantic City, fly AI, would have loved to go to another SAR unit. Um, Do you mean that? You really want to go fly some AI? No. (laughs) No. I'm glad you called me out, dude. I can only think I told you this. Like, Hitron has been my favorite tour that I've ever done in the Coast Guard. I will stand by that because I think it is badass. Um, And you get to fly the piss out of that helicopter. Yeah. Um, And then you get to go do cool port calls. Yeah. I mean, when Anders Manley told me about his incredible intercept of like a 85 year old man who was lost in a Cessna, he had me hooked, dude. <laughs> he had me hooked. Well, they just had that, uh, citation that, uh, yeah. they scrambled the F-16s on. Oh, where, yeah. was, where was the Coast Guard? Oh, they're flying more than 92 knots. Yeah. <laughs> Can't make it. Sorry. We should probably stop. This is not. <laughs> no, honestly, <laughs> No, that their mission is is a great mission. And I would go fly in Atlantic City, dude. I would totally stop laughing at me, dude. I'm telling you serious. Uh I would fly I would fly any mission the Coast Guard does. Yeah. I, I am not one of those people that the grass is greener on the other side. I think yeah. that uh our uh jobs are amazing. I think we get paid very well. I think we have a, an incredible amount of flexibility when it comes to personal life. Yes, there will be times that it will be less than desirable. Yeah. Um, if you could be stationed anywhere, where would it be? Even in, in the past too, like past units. Um, am I taking into account my like current family status or just like anywhere? Oh man. Anywhere Kenny wants to go. I think Hawaii would be pretty sweet. Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Hawaii, San Fran, I, I'm really happy to be back in the Bay area. Yeah. We love 
This is going to sound strange and also very <laughs> selfish for me, but if Pop Div still existed, yeah, I would I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, how long were those guys gone? Six months. Yeah, that's. I would tough. do that, but what I would a, go what into a life experience. They're yeah, like you want to go down to small amount of people that unbelievable say spots. That. Yeah. yeah, I would love to do that. Yeah. Uh, are you going to come to us when we're out in California? Yeah. We've been, we've been stationed together. Oh yeah. For the last eight years. Yeah. Wherever you get stationed, uh, last, I will try and get back in. Okay. It's a requirement. Okay, cool. Yeah. Everybody needs to hear this. Yeah. I want to go fly. Especially detailers. Up in Mammoth for the golden trout. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. dude. Absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. All right. Well, when you get sick and tired and bored of your Euro trip. No, I, I have a three year temp set. Year one's Euro trip. Year two, I will be a uh, lifty ski bum in Montana and a backpacking guide. And uh, year three, I'm going to fly for coastal helicopters up in Alaska. Really? I don't know. I'm just throwing what's co- What's there. coastal? Coastal helicopters flies uh, heli skiing up there. Oh, yeah. Dude, heli skiing and not, then in summertime, it's vacation. You're not good enough for that. You don't think so? No. Come on. No. Have you yeah. ever landed in the snow? Have you seen this face, dude? <laughs> You're going to have to grow have you that heard beard this, out a Have little you heard this more, charm? Uh, I have one other serious question to ask you. Okay. Um, where do you want to see this podcast go uh, when we go? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, we're like, like we talked about, we're kind of leaving it in the hands of uh, Nick, Rob, and, and Max. Um, I just hope that they continue to um, – seek improvement of the fleet, right? By, by learning through um, positive and, and negative experiences mm-hmm. and keep it something that people just enjoy listening to on the, on the ride into, to work. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't know, I've been talking with, with Ryan and uh, I think I'll mention this story cause it's one of my favorite stories to tell about this podcast, but uh, Stan cube, me, Ryan, Scott Swan, and Blake Morris are in the stand cube. Uh, COVID kind of hits and Ryan comes to me and he's like, Hey, I've got this idea. I want to start a podcast. And I just laughed straight in like <laughs> six inches from his face. I just laughed um, for 15 seconds and he just didn't, didn't break character, <laughs> just stared at me. I was like, Oh, you're, you're serious. You're serious. <laughs> and he said, yeah, I'm real serious, Kenny. And I said, Oh, do you think that there's a a need or a desire for this? And he said, I wouldn't be here if there wasn't. I was like, do you have the bandwidth to to do this? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, okay, go with it. Go with it, man. And he did, and he absolutely hit a grand slam, yeah, a, a home run. And um, we wouldn't be sitting here if it wasn't for Ryan yeah, and him putting all these ideas together yep. and – you know, pushing us in the right yep. direction. And it, it, it even, you know, to go full circle, it goes back to what we were talking about of, dude, it, it takes someone to go out there and say, I think we should do this. And I think it's going to make a positive impact. And even when people are laughing in your face, you stand there and say, I'm, I'm telling you, there's, there's, there's a, a need, here. there's a desire for this. Let's do it. And yeah. And he did it. So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty cool. I, I don't even remember what the original question was. It was where was, you sorry. wanted to see this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, you know, just talking with uh, Ryan, who's still our producer, um, 
it's still his baby, you know, yeah. he gets to, to push it wherever he wants to go. Uh, I'd, I'd be more than willing to, to stay on if, if that's what, um, he would like to see. And maybe I can get some podcast gear on the West coast. I could be a West coast contingent. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I think, um, uh, I think we need to continue to get to the lifeblood of this podcast, which I know you and I enjoy the most is Coast Guard Search and Rescue. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> which I apologize to listeners or for those who enjoy it, um, you know, you're welcome, I guess, for the ones that we go off off script for Coast Guard Rescue. And I think we have some good guests who do that as well. But at the end of the day, like those are what excite me the most uh, because it's what we do, right? Yeah. And it's what I learn from the most. Um, but- I, we'd be remiss to say that we weren't thinking into the future with this podcast too, if it works, um, right? We have a lot of people who uh, really enjoy this, like uh, Captain Tad Wilson or, um, you know, Captain Holzer. He's been a great supporter of this podcast too. And absolutely um, potential of, you know, our pipe dream of living in Denver <laughs> and being full-time <laughs> podcasters for the Coast Guard with doing Flight Suit Friday and then, a, you know, recruiting podcast for the Coast Guard. So, yeah, I mean, Ryan's running the numbers as we speak. Yeah. Um, just seeing how many people listen, which um, every single time I'm just, I'm blown away Yeah, um, that, that people are listening and, um, you know, it could be a you know, impact in recruitment and retention and you know talking with ryan that's the thing that he's like it, it's not just like recruiting but it's making people see how awesome yeah they are and their job is and the impact that they have where they're sitting now as a lieutenant who just made an aircraft commander it's like holy shit this is amazing we are you know the premier search and rescue when it comes to offshore operations you know how Period. easy it is to lose sight of that too, at least for me, like as the sticky notes of to-do items pile up on your desktop yeah. computer and you're sitting there until whatever time to try and get things done and you forget that you get to go fly and do an incredible mission like that and you don't know what your experience is going to be on your next duty day, like I have the hardest time remembering that. That's one yeah. of my faults for sure and I wish I was better and always remembering, like, I'm going to go do something incredible today in the aircraft. Yeah. I get to go do that. I get to go study for it. I get to prepare for it. I get to go experience it yeah. with three other incredible people in the Coast Guard. Um, and it's hard uh, not to see how amazing that specific part of the job is. Yeah. I think sometimes we undervalue ourselves um, as people and maybe as a, even an organization but I mean, even even here at Mobile, you know, like, okay, got to go do a night water safety pilot. Okay, we'll go out there, we we'll shoot an approach or two. We get to see some hoisting, and then on the way out there, you're like, sectors like, hey, there's a boat that's on fire. Like, yeah, we see it. Like, well, can you? Yeah, sure. we're already in route. We'll be there in three minutes. And mm -hmm. you know, it happens all the time. We pull people off of you know shrimp boats that are on fire, and mm -hmm. um, making sure that you're prepared for that, not just this like mundane thing that we we talk about. And yeah, it, it's an awesome, it's an awesome business uh, that, that we are in. And, you know, if, if we can inspire one or two people to, to recognize and, and I think part of it is kind of separating the, the sticky notes and saying, okay, yeah, that's, that's part of it. That 
it's never going to completely go away. We talk about like, oh, it'd be nice if we could get rid of awards or OERs or streamline this process mm-hmm. or why does E2 terrible? Uh, sh- sure. Um, but never lose sight of the fact that we get to go fly an orange helicopter and it's awesome and we get to do really cool missions with it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, mm-hmm. I hope nobody's flying loses. helicopters like we do. Yeah. No other DOD service, no other civilian service is flying the way that we get to fly along the coast. Yeah. Nobody is. Yeah. That's We're great. getting way too sappy, dude. <laughs> yeah, we're getting way too sappy. <laughs> Do you got anything else, dude? I don't think so, man. Yeah. Well, this has been uh, the best part of my tour. Um, I will caveat that Senior Chief Ahars has been the best part of my tour. He might listen to this. But honestly, dude, this has been one of the things that I had no idea that I was going to come into and that I've enjoyed the most out of being in Mobile. And I appreciate yeah. it. Appreciate it. It'll be one of those things that you look we're uh, you know 87 years old sitting, hey, on, <laughs> sitting on a uh, front porch drinking Jack Daniels drooling taking a nap at 9.30 in the at morning at the nursing home <laughs> yeah uh, alright well with that it's uh, a wrap that's a wrap we say goodbye